This message is brought to you by Moira Pentecostal Church. We hope that it will encourage, challenge, and develop you into the person God has made you to be. I was pleased to Ezekiel 22. Ezekiel 22. This, this is a verse just, I want to just make some comments on, but, you know, talk about just some other things as well. But it's a, it's a verse over these last sort of maybe a lot of months that I, I always find myself back at. And I want to see what it says to us tonight to encourage us as well. And just a wee bit of background just for Ezekiel 22. God, the nation of Israel is backslidden. And God has called upon them to repent. He has called upon them to, to change their ways. But it has come to the stage now where God won't hold back any longer. And he has said that he will judge them. And he has said that he will, he will come to them. And he will, he will bring them and take them into captivity. And the verse I want us to read is verse 30. Because all the verses before in verse 22 is telling what God is going to do and what he is saying. Because the, the, the priests of the land, the kings of the land, the princes of the land are all backslidden. The prophets of the land are prophesying falseness. They're saying everything's okay when it's not. And I think the most terrible thing that this verse says is that when God looked for someone, he couldn't find anybody. But I want us just to read that there. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. And that's a terrible place, I think, to be, where God is looking for someone and he can't find anyone. Because if you look what God wants to do, I, that I should not destroy it. God didn't want to do this. But he couldn't find anybody to pray and intercede. Now, I want to look at it tonight as a challenge to ourselves. But talk to you just a little bit about prayer. And I don't want to talk about the different types of prayers. Prayer of intercession, mediation, and, and so on. But just generally about prayer to encourage us to be a praying people. You know, when you think of any of the characters in the Bible, the one thing that characterizes them is that they were a people that were in touch with God. Basically, they were praying men and women. They were men and women who, it seemed to be at the drop of a hat, they were on their knees before God in worship, in praise, in intercession, and in every aspect of prayer. You know, you, you could go right through from the start of the Bible to the end of it, and you look at the ones that God picked. Think of Abraham, of Moses, right through King David into the New Testament, John the Baptist, um, the Apostle Paul and the disciples, and so on. The thing that characterized these men and women was that they were men and women of prayer. And I know we talk about prayer a lot of the time, but I just felt again that we, we, we should feel the challenge to become men and women of prayer. Men and women of prayer. And let me tell you, prayer is hard work. 
and can be hard work. But also, it can be great. It can be wonderful. It can be joyous. When God moves in our lives, you know, sometimes we come to the prayer meeting, and, and to be honest, there's times it's tough. You've got to fight through some things. But I'll tell you, see, when God breaks through, it takes you to a whole different level. You come out of the prayer meeting, think, I've got a great prayer meeting tonight. But we've got to break through those things into the presence of God, and God leads and he guides. So prayer is a wonderful thing. And prayer is that communication between us as God's people and him as our Lord and God. I sought for a man to stand in the gap, or, stand, or make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. Luke 18 and 1 says, Man ought always to pray and not faint. Man ought always to pray and not faint. So God's looking for praying men and women. And I think, you know, we just, before Pastor got up there, and we're praying, praying for, for, for this little family. They need prayer. Angela lost her husband on Monday. She needs prayer. And you and, and, and I in this place, we're all in different places and different situations. We need prayer. And we need to lift one another up in prayer. And that's what I want to try to encourage us to do, is to get it in their hearts and our minds that we are, should be a praying people and that we lift one another up in prayer. I mean, Paul said in 2 Corinthians, you don't have to turn to this, You'll find this a lot through Paul's writings. He says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver us in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Now listen to this, because this is our part for one another. Ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Ye also helping together by prayer for us. That's our ministry. That's a ministry that God has given to us. To pray and intercede to God on our behalf. To lift one another up. To support one another in prayer. We were talking on Tuesday night and we've talked at various times in our cell group. And there's times we, 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 we pray for one another and we lift one another up. But we were, we were talking about over the last year, just, just in our cell group, and maybe you do the same in your cell group, you know, some people in our, in our group have been through a few things in the last year. And we can all say that we have felt the prayers of God's people. We have felt the support of, prayer, of God's people's prayer when they take it before God. And we have felt it. And I, I, couldn't, tell, I couldn't explain that to you. Because I know myself in the past, I have felt it. 
And I have felt a peace and I have felt the strength of God and I have felt it, that God is with me. And we were just talking about that on Tuesday night. But because people are praying for us, supporting us, making up the hedge, standing in the gap when we can't do it ourselves, we someone else does it for us within the body. You know, in, in Acts there, it talks of Peter. Peter had been arrested and he's in prison and he's in jail. But it says prayer was made for Peter. Constant, consistent prayer was made for Peter. And you know the story how the angel came and woke him up and opened the doors of the prison and he walked straight out. Went to the home where they were praying. And this, this shows you sometimes that we, we don't even really understand the power of our own prayers. He wrapped the door. The little girl answered the door and says, it's Peter. And nobody believed him. Nobody believed him in the house as they were praying for it. But our prayers are powerful. Our prayers can make the difference. And I can testify, and you can testify at times in your life where you have felt the difference when people have been praying for you. Prayer was made consistently. And those prayers work. I want to encourage you tonight, your prayers work. When we stand in the gap for, for Ansley and for, for this little family and others, God hears. God hears. And he does something. Maybe in different ways. It is in his timing and in his ways. But he does something. He says he hears our prayers and he hears your prayers. He's calling us to be a people of prayer. People who will make up the hedge and people who will stand in the gap. Man ought always to pray and not lose faith. Don't give up. Don't give up. You press through. Now one of the things about a man or a woman of prayer, I think I said the last time I preached, they just didn't arrive on the scene and says, I'm a man or woman of prayer. They just didn't start one day and God moved heaven to answer their prayers. These were men and women who got alone with God. And they started in a small way. You know, you think of Moses, even Elijah, it says of Elijah, he just, in, 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 the first time we hear of Elijah is in 2 Kings 17. And it's like Elijah just arrived. But listen, Elijah just did not arrive. This may have been the first time that God brought him out into the open. But he had been alone with God. For how long? I don't know. Bible doesn't say. But he was alone with God. And God made him a man of prayer. And I want to encourage us tonight. This is the way I've, I've you know, a sense to do tonight. Is to encourage us to start to pray. If you don't have a consistent prayer life, well then listen, let this be the start of it. Because listen, we need your prayers. Each one of us needs your prayers. We need you to lift us up before God and ask for God's grace, for his sufficiency, for his help, for his provision, for everything. That they didn't just arrive in the scene and say, here am I. 
No, these were men and women that shut themselves away with God. You know, I thought of the story there is the, in Matthew 6, 15 it is. The Syrophoenician woman comes to Jesus. And I know it's talking about faith here. But it, it, it bears mention. And she came and she said, Jesus, our daughter was possessed of a devil. And Jesus ignored her. Didn't say anything. He didn't ignore her, but he didn't say anything to her. And she asked again. And he said to her, this is the children's bread. Can't, it's not for you. It's me paraphrasing. It's not for you. But she says, even the little dogs, called her the dog. He says, even the little dogs have the crumbs that fall under the floor. And Jesus says, great is thy faith. Now tell me, what made her faith great? What made her faith great? Was it the way she said it? I don't think so. I think the thing that made her faith great was that she kept coming and she kept asking and she wasn't going to take no for an answer. Jesus says, great is thy faith. Even though it looked like there was nothing happening, when it took, Jesus didn't answer her and then when he did answer her, it seemed like a big insult. But she still says, I'm going to keep asking because he is the only one that can do something for me. So many a time we're going to have to keep praying. It's not a one-off. Prayer is not a one-off. Consistent, constant prayer. You know, when you, you, the, these men and women, prayer became the great nature of their lives. Moses, where would you find Moses at the tent of meeting? Where did you find Elijah? Alone with God. And then when he done the, with Ahab and he, he said there'd be no rain, he went to the brook Cherith and sat there. I don't tell me he sat there and just sort of waited about. He was praying, fellowshipping with God. John the Baptist was found in the wilderness. Found in the wilderness. What was he doing there? Seeking the face of God. Jesus. Jesus would many a time go to the mountain. Or even the garden of Gethsemane. But he wanted to be alone. The disciples. What did they say in Acts? They said the poor need fed. He says get men to do it. But we will give ourselves to the word and prayer. We will give ourselves to the word and prayer. Even Peter was on the roof when Cornelius came, or when Cornelius' servants came. While he was waiting at dinner, he was on the roof praying. And he had that great vision. The character of these men and women's lives was prayer. And they learned the power of this prayer long before they ever had a ministry. If you're waiting in a ministry to cultivate a prayer life, well, you're going to struggle. I'm going to struggle. We need to cultivate a life of prayer now, this day, today, long before their ministry. A man who doesn't pray cannot have 
nor sustain a ministry. A man who doesn't pray cannot have nor sustain a ministry. Because we need God. If our ministry is from God, we need God's help. We need God's spirit. We need to be on our knees asking God, help me. Help me. Show me. Direct me. Lead me. I need this, Lord. I need that, Lord. This is, if you give me this ministry, then you need to give me your grace. Now, when I talk about ministry, maybe you thought coming up here and preaching the word, maybe you thought of standing behind a keyboard or whatever it is. But listen, what about your everyday ministry? The ministry that God has given you to your family. The ministry that God has given you. Maybe it's a, your wife and children. They need your prayers. This is a ministry from God. God has given us these ministries. Are you a praying man? Are you a praying woman? Are you praying children? Are you at an age where you go before God and pray? And say, God, I need your help here. Because listen, the world out there, the attack, we've talked about the divorce rate at times, even among the church. These things shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. We need to pray. We need to lift one another up. You need to pray for your children. You need to pray for your husband. You need to pray for your wife. We need your prayers. You know, look what Jesus said in John 17. Pastor mentioned some of these verses today. Look what Jesus did for the disciples. Now, many a time we want to get it, when things go hard, we want to run and we want to just get out of it. What did Jesus say in verse 9 of 17? I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. I pray for them. In verse 11, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name these whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. Keep them. Keep them, Lord. Keep them in the way. Keep them strong. Keep them going on with you. Verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou should, that thou should keepest them from the evil. That thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Jesus understood that his disciples were going to need his prayers. And he is interceding for us now. But he's encouraging us to pray also to the Father for one another. Husbands, you've got to pray for your wives. Wives, you've got to pray for your husbands. Husbands and wives, you've got to pray for your children. It makes a difference. It will make a difference. Because Jesus knew it would make a difference. That's why he's saying, keep them. Keep them. I pray for them. That you will deliver them. And, and as you start to, and maybe in a small way, to pray for your family, God will make a difference. God will answer. 
and God will hear. Jesus in Luke 5 is the greatest example of prayer. You know, he set the greatest example. And there was nobody more busy than Jesus. Nobody more busy than Jesus in his ministry. The crowds were around him. You know, you see today and you see stars and the famous people and the paparazzis around their house. Especially when something goes wrong. The paparazzis around their house. And you see them running up the road with a coat over their head. Or you see them trying to duck out the back door and there's crowds everywhere. And this was like Jesus in his day. Only with bigger crowds. And they're all around him. But Jesus found a way. And look what it says in verse 16. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. I read one commentary on this verse. And it's in our King James. It doesn't really explain it well. But all of these words are plural. And really what it means is he withdrew himself countless times. He went to the wilderness countless times. And he prayed countless times. Jesus prayed all of the time. He would make a way where he could go and pray. It wasn't just a one-off. He withdrew all the time. Into the wilderness all the time. And he prayed all the time. Now Jesus had no sin. He had no burdens to carry the way of sin. And he had to find a way to get aside and pray. How much more do we have to? How much more? Never, he never sinned. He was right with the Father. He was walking in holiness. So how much more do we need to draw aside with God and pray and seek his face. You know, prayer is an alone thing. I know we come on a Thursday night and the prayer meeting, we come corporately and that's right, and we do it. But genuinely, prayer for us is an alone thing. It's an alone time with us and God. And sometimes being alone frightens some of us. We have to have people around us or we have to have things happening in the background. But prayer is an alone thing. It's an alone time. But it can be the greatest blessing that we can have when we meet with God. David McIntyre was an old Scottish preacher. And there's three things that this, more or less, I'm almost finished. Three things he talked about that'll help us cultivate a prayer life. And if you miss everything tonight, hear this. Just three points. Number one, you need a quiet place. You need a quiet place. A quiet place. I know in our modern life, 
things are so manic at times. The world seems to be going a million miles an hour. And it's sometimes it's very hard to jump off. As I say, to jump off and smell the roses. Take time to smell the roses. And sometimes that's very, very hard. But if we're going to be people of prayer, we are going to have to find a quiet place. Somewhere, time in the day, where we go, maybe a room in your home. And you think about it, you know, we, most of us have maybe three or four rooms in our home minimum. You know, you think back in Jesus' day, you know, they didn't live in mansions. Maybe all had maybe just one living room, a place to prepare the food, and maybe a, maybe a small storage place. But they found places. They found time to pray. I think of Elijah, the prophet Elijah, when he went on his travel, or Elisha, when he went on his travels. If you remember, the rich woman says, let's, let's build a place onto the side of our home for the prophet. And there was a bed and a chair and a candle in it. Maybe a few other bits and pieces. But it was for him alone. And he could come and he could spend time when he was on his travels. Jesus had to find a quiet place. And we have to find a quiet place. Now let me encourage you. You may say to me, well, listen, I have two, three kids. And, 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 and that's legitimate. So it is. That's legitimate. But listen, talk to your wife. Talk to your husband. Talk to your children. Daddy's spending time in here, in this place. Mommy's spending time in this place. And they'll start to understand. Because if you've never cultivated a prayer life like that before, you know, your wife will look at you and think, what's he doing in there? What's she doing in there? Talk to them and say, listen, I'm going to take out, the, I'm going to, this is going to be a place of prayer for me. And listen, it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be big. We can meet with God in that quiet place. But we need a quiet place. Second thing, we need a quiet hour. It's okay having a place, but you've got to visit it regularly. And it doesn't mean just an exact hour of your day. But listen, it has to be a meaningful time. A meaningful time. I encourage you to do it every day. Maybe at the same time. Because what happens if you say, I'll, I'll fit that in later. Or, you know, oh, I've got a bit of time now. You tend to let it slip. And before you know it, if you were going to pray at 12 o'clock, it's 4 o'clock. And you think, oh, I've got to get this done. I've got to get that done. And before you know it, you haven't got it done. Set a time, a quiet hour, where you is, is your time with you and God. These are just very, very practical. But I believe if we put them into practice, they will be very beneficial. A quiet hour. Now that again, you have a lot of, of things you have to do, legitimate things. But please... Try and put a quiet time aside. Find a quiet place and find a quiet hour. And finally, a quiet place, a quiet hour, and a quiet heart. Now this is probably the hardest one. 
Because we can all find a place in a bit of time, but a quiet heart. Because we have so much going on. Now, I don't know, I can't speak for pastor, but I'm assuming it's right. And I, in my own life it's right, and I'm, I'm what Clifford would say. Sometimes you go in a quiet room, a quiet place, and you say, right, I've got an hour. Sometimes it's a half an hour before you've switched off your head. Sometimes it's longer than that. Because you've so much in here. The day has just mugged you, for want of a better way of putting it. It has jumped on you. And you think, I've got to get that done. I've got to get this done. I've got to get the kids up. I've got to do this. I've got to get them out. I've got to take such and such a football. I've got to do this. And before you know it, it's all in your mind and you're organizing it all. But listen, we have to find a quiet heart. and Cultivate a quiet heart. Robert Murray McShane was an old Scottish preacher again. And he says, he says, I used to go into my prayer room. And he says, the amount of, as he called them, trails that I found my mind going down. One here, one there, one there. Taking me away from the presence of God. Taking me away from concentrating on the very thing that I'm there for. And listen, that happens to us all. Every single one of us. But as we cultivate it, we'll learn to quieten our hearts. Get the thoughts of the day out. Now, I'm only throwing this out at you. For me, I find better mornings because the day hasn't started to move yet. But I'm just throwing that out at you. Sometimes you're better, some of you are better in the evenings. But we need to find that quiet heart where we can hear God. And I guarantee you, if we quieten, find a quiet place and a quiet hour, and we can quieten our hearts, God will we start to speak. And we'll start to read our Bibles and something will just spark. And before we know it, we're writing something down that God has spoken into our hearts and has encouraged us. Modern life doesn't allow itself for, 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 for prayer life. But listen, Jesus found time. And there was no one busier than Jesus. As I said, he had no sin. He didn't have to worry, well, he didn't have to worry about walking in holiness and keeping himself right. And he went before God. Many a time I'm sure he was up long before the sun. Drew aside. This is my time. Even when he went into the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples when he was, when he was maybe a day from the cross, he says, you stay here and I'll go a little further and pray. He was always drawing himself alone with the Father. And that's what God's asking us to do. Draw ourselves a little away from the hustle, from the bustle, from the legitimate things into my presence. I want to talk to you. I want to have fellowship with you. I want to talk to you about that thing that's annoying you. I want to talk to you about that, that your future. I want to talk to you about that thing that you're struggling with. And I want to give you the grace to get through all of these things. Because that's what he wants us to do. Come and talk with me. But we need to find a quiet place. We need to find a quiet hour. 
And we need to find a quiet heart. Jesus said in Matthew 6, And when you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. But I say unto you that they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut your door, pray to the Father which is in secret. And thy Father which saith in secret shall reward thee openly. Let me just finish with this. Where is the Father? You ever get in a situation and say, God, where are you? Well, if you read that verse, you see where God is. He's in the secret place. God is in the secret place. Waiting on you. And he's waiting on me. Where is he? He's in the secret place. I want to encourage you tonight to to cultivate a life of prayer. Find yourself a quiet place. Talk to your husband. Talk to your wife. Talk to your friends. Don't be calling at such and such a time because I'm not coming out to play. Find a quiet hour. And find a quiet heart. And God will speak to you. God will speak to you. You know, I, I haven't saved, what, nearly 24 years now. And I used to listen to people a lot of years back. And, you know, God said this to me. And, and you don't take everything at face value. But there is times when I have situations in my life. Or you're looking for direction. Or, or, or you need answers. Do you know something? I find that God has spoke to me as I have drawn close to him and drawn aside and he has spoken to me and he has encouraged me and he has given me peace and he has strengthened me and you know what he has just I have just had fellowship with him and I'll tell you sometimes I'll be honest with you see that sometimes that's just a fellowship that's the most joyous of it all It's just to go into his presence and say, Lord, here I am. And he comes and the presence is wonderful. But it's in the secret place. And what does God say? He will reward you openly. That doesn't mean openly as in everybody will see it. And it will be a physical touch, you know, a thing that can be touched. But people will see There's a difference in them. There's a difference. They have something that I don't have. But it's found in the secret place. I just want to encourage you. Find a quiet place. A quiet hour. And a quiet heart. And God will touch your life. And it's consistent. Jesus went often. Often into the wilderness to have fellowship with the Father. Let's pray. Father, I believe I don't speak out of turn tonight when I say all of us 
want to be men and women of prayer. We want to hear your voice. We want to have fellowship with you, Lord. But Lord, I just pray for your people tonight. And I pray that you would give them a heart for prayer. Lord, I pray that you would give them a desire to pray. I pray, Lord, that you would, would move things in their lives that, are, that is keeping them from your prayer room. Lord, that you would sort things out in their lives, Lord, that they're able to put time aside to seek your face. Because, Lord, there's no greater place of joy than in your presence. In your presence is fullness of joy. Lord, touch your people tonight. Draw them to your side. Draw them into that quiet place. Give them that quiet time, Lord. Quieten their, help them to quieten their hearts, Lord. And Lord, let them hear your voice. Lord, we need you. We need you, Lord. Lord, you have challenged us tonight. Lord, by your grace and a part of your spirit, help us to meet that challenge. Because, Lord, I believe that you want to do great things with this people, with this church, Lord God. So, Lord, we seek your face and your face alone. Lord, let your name be glorified and let your name be honored for you alone are worthy. Let us be practitioners of prayer. Not one off, but a practitioner of prayer. Day after day after day, Lord, we come into your presence and we meet with you. And day after day after day, we are filled more with your presence and your joy and your peace and your love that we can truly say that we know our God. Lord, we honor you tonight. We glorify you tonight. We bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For more teaching resources, visit www.mpc.org.uk.